With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Friday. Here we are, the first weekend in December. Now, here's why this is so important to me. Except for a couple of times this year when I've been out of town, every first weekend of the month is a time that Jetty, my 8-year-old and I, head to Home Depot, and we get to do a project together. And, man, that's we've been doing this literally since he was a baby. So this is it's been like a, a seven, eight-year thing now. I've done it with the girls a little bit, nothing major. But with him, it's been awesome. And, you know, this year they opened up a new Lowe's, I guess that's how you say it, I'm down here, Lowe's store. So Lowe's has some awesome kids' uh, tool kits. So I'm going to have fun. Some of you guys that hang out with me know that I love woodworking, love to, to turn wood, make make pins and stuff so we just have a blast so i am definitely looking forward to this weekend but we're into that christmas season and i've put a challenge out to everyone whether you're a ceo top distributor brand new to the business in the next few weeks i want you to put the money aside and if you are passionate about your products how they can change lives to people then i challenge you to give them to someone you know without any expectations back and say, I believe so much in my products, I think they can help you. Here's seven days, 30 days, whatever it is you want to do. It's up to you. Well, you know your financial situation. But let's give back. BK Brake over at Vima, one of my good, good friends, does this every year with his next vitamins for children. and He finds a charity that needs help and he gives away that product to undernourished children and i think he's a beacon of light everybody's different everybody does different things i've got my friend richard brooke who we're doing his book that does a lot of charity work with children with different charities and teens so everyone's doing this that really cares about their their brother and sisters so i just challenge you to do that i think it's i think it's a great way to to really launch into looking in your soul and saying, do I really care about my company? Do I really care about my products? Or did I just get into this company because somebody told me I can make fast cash? It's a money game. I think it's important that it's cause created. You know, if you're not focused on that crusade, something bigger than you are, you will never make it long term. And I think Richard's book, Mock 2, With Your Hair on Fire, The Art of Vision and Self-Motivation, sums that up and and i and just the way i am i believe that man today we're in chapter three reviewing the script the one that's already in place you know this whole book is written so creatively because we are our own movie when we think about it richard says whether you know it or not whether you want it or not your heart beats 1003 103 680 times a day 
You breathe 23,040 times a day. You generate 3 million nervous impulses a second. Your stomach develops an acid strong enough to dissolve nails. Your entire body runs on, on very small electrical charged particles. And all of this happens whether you know it or not, whether you want it to or not. And you already have visions that motivate you to do what you're already doing. See, I, I, I read that and I was I was intrigued as I studied that and I thought about it. Because whether we believe in something or not doesn't mean that it's not reality. So whether or not you're listening to the radio show and saying, he is so full of freaking crap, and that Richard Brooke don't know his head from a hole in the ground, doesn't change the reality. See, one of the primary unconscious functions of the human brain is releasing on demand significant levels of self-motivation. And if you're a negative, critical individual, then you are releasing self-motivation that keeps driving you in that way. The question is, why do you see it as the, half, as the glass half empty instead of half full? Richard says, your mind through your visions create and produces enthusiasm, courage, persistence, and most importantly, creativity. This is a natural ongoing process. You are either aware of this gargantuan power and manage it to produce your intended results, or you allow it to run rampant amok and aimlessly usually at idle speed, just trickling through life in a mediocre-type situation. Happens all the time. I mean, think about it. Let's, let's take it outside the realm of business for a minute. I'll, I'll dump it over into, into the spiritual realm of things, because most people that hang out on the show know that I, I really, I, I just love theology. I love Jesus. But think about this for a minute. Why do some preachers make it and some preachers don't? Why did some people in Rick Warren's class fail at church living and had to go find another job while while Rick went on to become a world-famous pastor? Why is it that the media stops their political rhetoric, whether they believe in prayer or not, and say, man, Billy Graham's in the hospital, we all need to put our thoughts and prayers out to him. And yet there's other people that have been preaching as long as him and nobody knows who they are. See, I believe what Richard has to say here is right. I believe that when you focus and you have that self-motivation and you know your purpose, nothing holds you back. But when you're wandering aimlessly, chasing your tail like my dog does sometimes, after a while, you get tired and you say, what's the use? He uses an analogy from Bob Proctor, and, and, and I like Bob's stuff, he, but I've never been turned on by, by all his stuff. He, he, he gets really out there, and, and he's just a smart person, and I, I like just running around with rednecks that I can understand. But in this case here, I, I had never read this, and I'm glad that Richard put it in his book. He said, the best analogy of how this works is a thermometer. Let's say that the actual temperature... What is happening in your current results is 65 degrees. You set the temperature at 70 degrees, meaning that's what should be happening. Here's my goal. This is what I'm going after. 
the sig the, the signal from the thermometer says, whoa, it's too cool. We need to crank it up, and you start producing motivation or heat. Of course, once you hit 70 degrees, the thermostat stops. The 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 one time in my life that that this this I mean when when I read that I thought duh here's what I did I decided when I got out of the Marine Corps that I I wanted to continue down this path of the few and the proud well maybe not the proud but at least the few I became a bounty hunter 18 19 20 years old something like that I was too young to be a bail bondsman to get the guys out of jail but I was old enough to carry a gun and put them in jail so that's what I did put him in jail that was about the time when I read my book that Richard's going to mention here in a minute Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill then I learned how to I learned how to win friends and influence people so I read Dale Carnegie's book and then I read Think Big and, and then I, I kept reading and, and on and on and on so I wrote down my goals I read them every day I want to be financially independent by the age of 25 and you know what happened at least on paper, that's what I did. I had my goals down to the age of 25. I went in and, and just not only did I have a successful bounty hunting career, I had a successful bail bond career, broke into some cities that people had not been able to break into, attracted some of the attention of some of the, the nation's top underwriters, and was given a contract by a company called American Bankers out of Florida, it was the largest underwriter of bail in America, all by the age of 25. Attracted the attention of Harvey Childs, the most successful and notorious bail bondsman in the country. He's retired now, all before the age of 25. And when I turned 26, I didn't have a pot to piss in because I did not continue the motivation. I did not continue the heat at all. That and the fact my ego got so far out of whack that I self-destructed. So when I read this about the thermometer, I thought, man, this is so freaking true because I was going up and up and up and up and up and then I fell clear to the freaking bottom. One year on paper worth well over $2 million and the next year, nothing didn't stay there, very quickly jumped on board with a mergers and acquisitions firm that did turnarounds because the guy that owned it really just needed a bodyguard, and that worked out, but then I learned a boatload of how to do turnarounds. And once again, within just a few months on paper, because of the acquisitions that we made and the partnership that we had was worth millions again. Just to have Secret Service walk into my office and say, by the way, we just arrested your partner for trying to cash a $15 million counterfeit cashier's check. So when I read this, I thought, oh my gosh, is this so true? See, there's three basic forms of vision. You're on fire. Think about it, 25 years old, you're looking at your, your net worth on paper, and it's like, this really rocks. I had a positive vision. I'm aligned with my goals. I'm, I'm out there busting my butt. I've, I've hired great people. We've, we've built, basically at that time, I built the first network marketing bail bond company. I mean, we had, we had not just 
bail agents. We had levels underneath them. I mean, we'd figured out a way to pay this thing out. It was rocking. But then I went into that self-destructive mode. See, I bypassed the apathetic mode. That's never been. My, my mom and dad didn't raise me to be apathetic. My dad taught me how to shoot guns well for, for some reason, though I kept pointing them at my feet. So I end up in a self-destructive pattern for years. It was crazy. As I read this chapter of Richard's, I thought, man, I've seen my oldest son do the same thing. That's why he was in prison for so many years. He'd rock, he'd roll, he had that vision, he'd go, he'd crank, and he'd self-destruct. I can't I can't relate to a neutral vision that causes apathy. I, I just can't relate to that. But yet when I look around at network marketing, I look around at other people, I see that. When I look around at most homeless people, notice I put the word most in there, and I'm going to tell you why. When I look around at most homeless people, I realize that the movie they run in their brain is of apathy. I'm not worth anything. I, I'm just going to live my life. No big deal. And then I walk out into the woods on this island here in Destin, and I meet homeless people. They have vision. They're on fire. They get up every morning, and they go to the docks, and they get jobs working on the, on the boats. Some of them, without a doubt, have been self-destructive, and that's why they end up back homeless. But a lot of them are homeless because they just want to live off the grid. I thought, man, that's a unique vision. I'm going to have to go study these people a little bit more. See, everybody's different, and Richard covers this. But he also covers something else in here, and he uses dieting as an example, which I thought was great. He says motivation is not the only force that can lead you to action. It is the only thing that can sustain you. But sometimes your reality can be altered by the force or about the impact of the motivation other people have on you. See, I, I read through that and I thought, man, that's why people fail at diets. Is because they're motivated, but then the people around them sometimes aren't as motivated as they are to help them succeed. And after a while, when people around you are not supporting you, guess what happens? Your motivation can get a little freaky on you. Your desire can go a little sideways. See what I'm saying? All of a sudden, as Richard puts it, it's altered the force. I did a video yesterday on a young lady that for 20 times tried to diet. The poor thing, when she was in third grade, she walked up and gave her teacher her name, and her teacher said, Oh, my God, you weigh more than me, and I'm 20 years older than you. Now think about the devastation that had to have on her self-esteem. Twenty times she tried to diet. She she got married to a wonderful man that loves her to death. She had kids. That probably didn't help the, the, the dieting situation. And one day she's out playing with her kids and she slides down a slide and her hips get stuck. And her cousin's got to put his feet on her shoulders and push her through the little tunnel to get her butt out the other side. What do you think happened to her motivation? See, Richard writes in here, it can be altered by the force or by the impact of the motivation of others. This year, she got motivated to lose weight. She found a company that had a product that she'd never tried. Twenty failures 
and she decided to try this company. And the difference in this company and this product compared to anybody else is that it created a culture of other people just like her who had failed over and over and over and then had success. And they rallied around her, and she went from a size 13 to a size 4. She went from having no energy at all to running marathons. Her kids don't come up to her anymore and say, Mommy, am I going to grow up and be fat like you? Art Williams used to say, if you can't change the friends around you, then change the friends around you. And I think that's what, in this little section that Richard's getting at. See, we can work hard, we can have the desire, the circumstances can be just right. We can have plain luck if you believe in that. But if you don't expect to win, if you don't have people around you helping you win, then you're not going to win. See, this is a key. You're sitting there all day long thinking negative thoughts. You're putting this crap inside your mind. And I know some people say, now, Troy, this self-motivation stuff, you know, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, because I'm just kind of a freaky, weird Christian, and I even have Christians tell me that. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus said, if you put it into your mind, you've already done it. Now, at that time, he was talking about, you know, lusting after women, committing murder and stuff like that. But I think that the true reality is, because he was God, he actually kind of knows what science is all about. And science has proven that your mind cannot differentiate between reality and fantasy. I know a little bit about the mind, because when I was very young, I had to go with my mom to a special place and have them put all kinds of freaking electrodes on my head. So when I got old enough to realize those people were whacked, I started studying the mind. You know what I found out? What you put into your mind is going to come out in your actions, in your thoughts, in your talk. So as I read through this chapter, I realized, man, we've got to look at the script. We've already, this, the script's running in our mind. We've got to fix it. We've got to change it. We've got to cut and splice it today. Because if we don't, we're not going to have the success that Richard went. Think about it. Richard sharing his story with us, his life story. Making twelve, thirteen thousand dollars cutting the heads off chicken or whatever they do at chicken plants. To be in a multi million a multimillionaire in assets, not on paper. See that's the difference between Richard and I. Mine was just on paper. Once the assets were confiscated by the state and had to be sold to pay off the bonds, I didn't have a pot to piss in. Richard could actually pay off everything today and still have money. That takes that takes a lot. I, I I I'm amazed that he put this in. It's just like a journal to me that Richard put together. See, Richard shares about his network marketing. Listen to this. He said, "When I started out in my new sixty thousand dollar a year network marketing opportunity, I started with a decision that I could not make that kind of money. I wanted to make it." I hope that I could make it. I wish that someday I could really get lucky and make it. And I didn't want anyone to know that I didn't think I could do it, so I tried. I worked really hard. I invested everything I could to get my hands on. I traveled everywhere, learned everything I could. I made 12000 my first year. I made 12000 my second year. That's the same thing as a 
chicken cutter, he says. And he goes, then I got tired of working so hard, so I only made 4000 my third year. I, I hear people in direct selling say this all the time. That doesn't work. That guy lied to me. It might work for him, but it didn't work for me. The only reason it worked for him is because he's making money off of me. But really deep inside, nobody wants to look at themselves and say, you know what, I'm just an idiot. What do I need to change? How can I be better? I don't want to be this way. I don't, I don't believe that I have to be. Nobody does that. They just settle. And if you want to settle and that's your purpose in life, and then so be it. I don't care about that. But if you're going to go out and pretend you're going to be something else, then shouldn't you be something else? See, what the catalyst for Richard was, he lost it all. I, I know for a fact, because I've had him on the radio shows, he ended up living on the couch in his sister's house. He, I mean, he lost it all, lost his cars, lost his house. I mean, it, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, if you were a woman looking at Richard Brooke back in the day, the boy doesn't have a pot to piss in. He can't keep his cars. He, he doesn't even have a house. See how he was filling, fulfilling his own prophecy of, well, nobody cares about me. I'm not worth it. True point. Doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. The reality is it's facts. He, 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 he's telling us about it. So I looked at that and I thought, wow. So instead of, see, and it was it was like a light bulb went off because all of a sudden it's it, you got to realize it's not about how hard you work, it's not about being a good person, it's about changing your thought process. If 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 you hang out in, in anything in life, you're going to walk into the situation with a thought. In in a lot of cases, I can I can remember back and I use my my family a lot because that's all I know. But I remember one day my my mom every Sunday and and I'm going to paraphrase this cuz I was a I was a teeny bopper, but I remember every Sunday or Saturday night, "Honey, are you going to go to church with us?" and my dad and his creative words, "Well, I have blankety blank. I ain't going. I don't need church. You go to church." Then one Sunday morning we were leaving for church. He'd been looking at something in the paper or something. He decided he better go to church. I don't know what it was. Well, I do, but it's irrelevant on this call. He comes running out the door trying to get his shoes on, headed to church for the first time. Something triggered in his mind, said, maybe I need to check out this church gig. A little bit later, I don't know how long it was, sitting around, he decided, you know what, maybe this church thing's all right. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to go down there and make a commitment and try this Jesus thing for real. He didn't change overnight. But over the next few months, few years, you could see a difference. People around him saw a difference. He decided. Nobody else decides. See, here's the kicker, and this is what I'm putting into Richard's words. You get to make the decision. When you decide you want to change, you will change. This is why I get pissed off at my kids and everybody else when somebody says, well, you yelled at me and made me feel this way. I didn't make you feel crap. You just decided to interpret what I was saying wrong. So now you feel bad. Does that mean I don't know how to trip their triggers? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm good at that too. But here's what Richard writes. Everything changed for me when I developed 
the willingness to train myself to think like a successful person. See, that's the key. I'll put it in a different setting. I'll use my church as an example. Our church, we, our tagline is we're the church for the real world. About a third of the people that go to our church has never been in church, don't know anything about Jesus Christ, don't know anything about the Bible, or for that matter, any other religion. About a third of them probably grew up in church, but they really got burnt out because they saw a bunch of hypocrites. Hey, I can attest to that. I mean, if you remember all those televangelists in the 80s, well, I went to that denomination. You didn't know if one Sunday you were going to have a preacher or a slut puppy teaching you. I mean, it was the weirdest thing under the sun. And in a third of the people that go to our church actually know a little bit about what they're talking about, and, and they really do love Jesus, and, and they're not perfect. But when you get into this mix like this, since two-thirds of your church really don't know anything about what's going on, guess what? Money can dry up because they don't know that you're supposed to tithe, you're supposed to give offerings or any of that stuff. I mean, that's what they teach. So this last week, all of our staff got laid off because... We're just not making enough to hit budget. So the pastor said, well, I'm going to lay myself off. And his staff said, well, if you're not making money, we don't want to make money. Now, this is teamwork. So we'll just all lay ourselves off. We'll go out and get seasonal jobs until we get over the hump. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up, because I think this is cool. When you look at what Richard says here, I trained myself to think like a successful person. My pastor goes out of his way to teach leadership. He knows that he can't ask his staff not to take paychecks if he's going to have them on staff unless he's willing to give up his paycheck. But he believes in the mission and the dream of the purpose that he was called to launch this church, that that's what he did. Do you not think that motivates the people going to church that didn't know that there was even a problem and now we're passing it around saying, dude, we've got to do something because you know, we're not bringing in enough to, to meet budget." For the, and, and it's a business to a certain degree. You've got to pay rent, especially when you're in a movie theater. So I love this, that I'm reading this chapter today and realizing there's so much here. Richard started out with Think and Grow Rich, and this is the funny part because I hated Think and Grow Rich. Everybody told me, read Think and Grow Rich, and I am finally glad that somebody like Richard Book is willing to say, that was the hardest book I ever read, because it is. I mean, I give this book away free on my website, but it's such a hard read because it's written like in the 20s. In the 30s, and it sucks, but it's a great book, and you got to read it because it's perfect. I don't agree with everything that Napoleon Hill wrote, but the one thing that he wrote that Richard nails on this thing is the fact that you've got to set your goals, and then you've got to go for them. See, once you set that goal, and then it becomes the objective, and, and you're cranking for the objective, then you start to create the mission that goes with that objective. And when you, when you lose a little battle, but you know what the objective is, I guarantee you can win the war because you're motivated to keep going. You're going to fail. It's going to happen. But if you continue down the path, you'll end up like Richard. And here's what happened with Richard. He met Jerry Schwab. Jerry was just a, another prospect in his network marketing business. But he started drawing out the circles and doing everything that we used to do on the yellow legal pads. I mean, man, I don't know. Poor people lost a boatload of money with the computer because we all stopped buying yellow pads. But Jerry just looked at him and said, dude, I can do this. Just show me how. And all of a sudden, Richard earned $100,000 that year off Jerry. He went out and found three or four more, and the rest is history. See, this crap that you hear, I'm going to segue out of this for a second. 
all this crap that you hear on the Internet. Go recruit, recruit, recruit. Go recruit 100 million frontline people. You don't have to recruit 100 million frontline people. Doug Hartman, one of the most successful networkers in history, makes more money at Primerica than just about anybody else there. His office building that he owns, he owns is 12 stories high. And he said, the one thing that I realize now is that I should not have recruited so many people. I should have recruited quality people. I'm going to tell you right now in your network marketing business, you will go through the numbers to find quality, but you're only looking for one person to change your life. Three people will make you financially independent beyond your wildest dreams. And if you don't spend the money as fast as you make it, you'll change your family's legacy forever. See, the only difference between Richard making 12000 a year and Richard making $400,000 a year was his willingness to train himself to think like a successful person. Nobody long-term can do it for you. Tony Robbins, one of, my, one of my guys that I listen to, somebody that I know Richard enjoys and likes, changed everything that he did from the early days till now. He used to focus strictly on neuro-linguistic programming, but the word programming was the key word in NLP. And you can program somebody to do something long, for a long time, but eventually the programming can change in their mind because they get to control what they're thinking. Now he calls it neuro-linguistic conditioning. And he trains people to condition themselves to realize what they're doing and why they're doing it, and that's what we have to do. See, I don't have fancy psychological terms for it. I just say you've got to kick yourself in the butt sometimes. You've got to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are who will kick you in the butt. And when you do that and you focus on where you're supposed to be going, and if you're a Christian, you're really focused on where God wants you to go, I guarantee you your brain will create the plan of action that you need to take. I've watched it happen over and over and over. Folks, have an awesome weekend. Be back here with me in Chapter 4, Visions. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to freak you out, some of you. It's going to be fun. Live life like it's an epic adventure. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here Monday with me on RealMentorsRadio.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.